welcome to the Jasmine Star Show. My name is Caro and I head the Customer Experience Department for Social Curator, and I'm here to introduce Jasmine's conversation with Zach Kravitz on his podcast, Rambling Radio. In this episode, Jasmine talks about the way her Enneagram number impacts her actions, how being bullied in elementary school affects her business today, and why she pivoted from being one of the top 10 photographers in the world to starting her membership, Social Curator. I loved the way Jasmine and Zach were somehow able to joke around and go deep in this interview, and I think you're really going to love it too. Let's listen in on Jasmine's conversation with Zach Kravitz on his podcast, Rambling Radio. You are a hard lady to track down. <laughs> so I've been told. You, so I've been told. You are everywhere. Um, I see you online. I see you speaking. I see yeah. you... In your DMs, yeah. I see you everywhere. Shout out for the DM. Di- I mean, for like, I saw your story. Oh, Shout yeah. Out to I know. I know. You're always, <laughs> you're in it. Um, how do you, before Luna, because we're, we're going to get there. Yes. We're going to get to to your, your, your newborn. But um, how do you manage a schedule like that? How do you, mm. how do you do that without overwhelm? How do you do what you do? Speaking, Instagram. Facebook yeah. Live. I mean, every time yeah. I open up my phone, you're there. Yeah. Um, it started off like discipline leads to creativity or I'm sorry, discipline gives space for creativity. Like I started off as a photographer and I like had these visions that I'm like, I'm a photographer, I'm going to travel. You'll see me in Amsterdam. I'm going to be walking the fields of wheat with my camera. And then you realize that like when you pursue something professionally, 20% of the time you get to do what you love and 80% of the time is just working through the mire of it. And I realized that if I wasn't very strategic with how I laid out my timeline in a day, I wouldn't even have the 20% to create. Uh-huh. And so for me, it came back down to I'm a creative, but I need a lot of structure so that I have the time and space just to create mm-hmm. without creating under the gun. Like no, who creates well when you're like, I have to do this in this time. It's like, that's not the way it works. So for me, Every single day I create, I create a timeline. Mm. I wake up, I have a routine. Like my husband and I were business partners. We sit down and I'm like, what hours, where are you? What am I doing? How is this? Like, how does this work? And it's like two, two well-oiled machines just going in very, very, very strategically on a day. But I am living proof that somebody can take the little they have and make it work. Like I don't, I'm thankful that I have a team with social curator, but that social curator, as far as like building out like the Jasmine star, like brand endeavors, creativity, that's myself and JD yeah. and now our baby girl. That's amazing. How, how much does JD play a role in, in your life and managing it and, mm. and just being that support system to you? Yeah. I just know for a shot, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't have the business. We wouldn't have the structure. Um, we wouldn't have our house function because we live and work together and we also work from home. And that's a mm-hmm. decision. We could absolutely get an office space, but I know number one, I'm an introvert. And number two, right. I'm not, I'm not one for small talk. Like, I'm just like, I want to go in with a strategy, get it done. Let's go. Right. And when a co-working space, I just discovered I was just not at all productive. And I just felt like I was, I care a lot about people. So I'm like, you know, walking down the hall or like passing by somebody's office and a very quick question turns into let's come up with your business plan. How are you showing up on social? What's your structure? And all of a sudden I was like, I'm spending half of my day consulting instead of getting my work done. So for us, like he is a hundred, the reason why I can do this podcast today is because of him. Right. Like everything now, even that much more as the family grew, he, he's just, he's 100, the person who's just like, I'll provide the structure. I'll take care of things here Mm -hmm. and you'll take a bigger lead outside facing, but all strategy, all deploying, all vision is something that we do together. Yeah. I think, I think a big question I get, a, get this question all the time is, is having a significant other while starting a business. Yes. Um, you started your business after you were with him, correct? Yeah. Well, we've been together since we were 17. That's what I thought. Yeah. It's <laughs> a long time. Do you get that question a lot? Like, can you, can you have a significant other and, and start a business? Cause your business is, I don't want to say it's like, it's sustainable now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you built a machine and mm-hmm. it's not like you're just getting started. So for someone that is wants a significant other or is in that stage mm-hmm. but is also trying to start a business, do you think those two things are possible? 
A hundred percent. I mean, listen, you just need one person to do it before you to know that it's possible. Yeah. Whether or not it's possible in the relationship you have is a different thing. And, Mm. you know, people say, oh, well, you know, you and JD have this business. You guys built it out. Like You do that. But I'm like, yeah. But when we first started, like we met when we were in high school, we dated long distance when he was in college. I went to law school. We were still dating during that time. We got married and he was with a startup company. And that's when I decided to start photography. So- Mm. We really had to learn how to work together. And when I was had the desire to become a photographer, it's not like he woke up and I was like, you know what? I want to be a photographer too. That's exactly what I want to do. Right. But I was like, yo, I'm on the struggle bus and I don't know how to read um, user manuals. And he's like super, like he can read a book and get it. And I'm just like, I need to see it. I need to feel it. Right. So it's like, he would read the user manual. He, we would walk and then we would practice, like we, we would walk through it together and then we would practice. And like essentially without us knowing he was teaching me and I was teaching him mm. photography. Mm. And so then when we started landing my first gig, I was just like, listen, I just need you to look the part. Like basically I needed a human security blanket. And I was just like, if something goes wrong, I'm not going to know how to fix it. So I rented a camera for him, our very first gig. And I was like, this was my second photographer. (laughs) And uh, I was like, when all else fails, put it in P mode. I just made a photography joke. If anybody's a photographer, you'll think it's hilarious. If you don't know what that means, it's okay. 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 (laughs) Then you get it. It's like P mode professional, you know? So uh, that's how we kind of rolled for our first couple gigs. And then after I just realized that he was, the person that really pushed me creatively and he was the counterbalance. So we built every business and every iteration of our business together. Yeah. Wow. Was it, what what was he doing before that? He was with this startup communication company for like education. Okay. So, and did he freaking hate it or JD doesn't hate anything. Like he's (laughs) like, he's, he's hard. He's hardwired for optimism, positivity. He's hardwired for finding the good in every, it's a gift. It's rare. It's so rare. rare. And I would always question like, what are you doing? Like you're literally, he had this like Acura Integra. It was used. It was like red and it was oxidized. And he would drive like three hours to do a consultation and then drive home without a contract sign. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm listening to sales CDs. Like he'd be like, I'd find like the positive in it. And I'm like, yo, I want you on my team. Yeah. So yeah. Was that, was that a hard transition for him coming to, cause technically he was working for you or did you never see it that way? It I've, always ne- I've never saw it that way. Yeah. And I know. Did some- he see it that way though? No, it's never mean, hard for him. No, no ego, no nothing. No, Just, and go. I think from the outside, and again, it's how somebody's created, how the relationship is, and like the conversations. We have a ton of communication, and I've gone like out of my way. I have never at all ever looked at it as something that was my own. Mm-hmm. And we, I even had conversations with him. I was just like, listen, it started off as my own thing. And since the iterations have occurred, we're so strongly business partners, I could absolutely rename this. And he's always never wanted that. He's like, I don't want to be in the front. I don't want my name out there. He's like, I just want you to do your thing. And I want to support that. And I don't know if you're into Enneagram, but Mm -hmm. he's a two. So anybody who's into Enneagram two, it kind of like divides out characteristics and personalities. Two is hard. That's not Meyer Briggs. No, different, different. but they come, they're super complimentary. Like I think you would dig it, especially in Wix. You guys should do it to kind of see. He's a two. Twos are classified as helpers. Like when you Mm. feel like you're most satisfied in your career and personal life is when you're helping somebody. Uh, And the the power play for a two is to really align themselves with somebody who has the vision, knows what they want to do and has a very clear plan of how they can help that person get where they want to go. So basically I have like the unicorn of business partners. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So So what are you then? (laughs) I am a three. And what does that mean? Um, you're achiever. A young achiever or no, high achiever? Uh, just they, what just they call achiever. just achiever. I stuttered. I did okay, stutter there. I was okay. trying to enunciate, but I was like, because <laughs> I get embarrassed of it. Like I'm just like an achiever. So an achiever is really defined by the things that they do. Okay. And like the upside is you're an action taker. You want to get ahead. Yeah. And then the dark side of that is that you're driven, you're selfish, you, you're very, you have your blinders on, you're not paying attention to other people. And so in Enneagram, you have these things called wings and I'm a three wing four and a four is classified as an artist. Mm. So I can clearly see, I mean, when I took the test, sense. I was like, oh, that was spot yeah, on. Yeah. And um, artists have a tendency to um, 
be internal, introvert, yep. uh, very like sensitive. And mm-hmm. so you, it's like this weird little combination between being achiever and somebody who's like highly sensitive yeah. introvert. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm basically like the hot mess. I got the, <laughs> I got the hot mess. Like my husband got the, the top <laughs> of the pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Hot exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, no one wants to be my friend. Well, maybe you should create your own quiz and that be <laughs> it's, one all, of them. it's all optimized. You're amazing. Jasmine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, well, I, just looking at you speaking all the time and, and stepping in front of the stage, talking to hundreds, thousands, thousands, mm-hmm. hundreds, how many? What's your biggest uh, appearance for the amount of people that you've seen? I think it's 5,000 in a row. 5,000. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But that's nothing. That's scary. I want to do like 50,000. Is it, I, I believe it, is it harder to speak in front of a smaller group or? Yes. We just like, I, That's what I heard. Yeah. I like, we just had a team like, um, so we have departments. So we had a department head. I called it a department head boot camp. I'm um, excuse me, retreat. Uh-huh. And when we were there, the department head said, we're changing this to the department head boot camp because when Jasmine gets you in a room for three days, all you doing is working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, I mean, I mean, we can kind of sort of relax. And they're just like, Jasmine, you got us margaritas so we can work into the night. And I was right. like, yes, I did. Oh, uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, as far as that, it was harder. I got more nervous yeah. talking to three people on my team, four people on my team than mm-hmm. I like, I would rather speak to a group of 4,000 strangers. Yeah. So how long did it take you to get comfortable doing that as an introvert? Cause I, I just watching you, I would never expect that you were a lot of people just think, Oh, like, yeah, you're like, this big ball like that's of energy. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a hundred percent repetition I, repetition. And then like having the humility to speak to a group of five for like five years yeah. before the group of five turns into 10 and then 10 turns into 20. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like you're sharpening your teeth. Like nobody ever stands on a stage. Nobody ever makes a video. Nobody ever takes a picture for Mm -hmm. people to pay attention to it until you do it again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And then people finally start noticing. Yeah. Wow. I remember I I met you in Lewis's mastermind. Um, That was like two years ago. That was two years ago. Yeah. And I listened to the podcast that you guys did together and he stopped you. I don't know if you remember. Oh, I totally do. (laughs) Like everybody, everybody damned me about it. Really? Uh I thought it was amazing. I know. Um, He stopped you because you're trying to be too perfect in his eyes. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you continue to work on or is that still a struggle for you of always correcting yourself, always Cause like to a yeah. lot of people, you're perfect. You're, you're beautiful. You're all made up. You, you everything looks amazing. Yeah. You know, it's crazy because <laughs> I'm so happy you asked the question. Cause now I could rectify. Let me set yeah, the record. Say, okay. Let's I got go. my big earrings on. I got my big earrings. Let me tell you something. Okay. <laughs> um, he had said, you know, it, it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And like, I received that, like I received it. But like one thing that I have always said and maintained is that like perfection, the idea of perfection doesn't exist. Mm. So oftentimes somebody like Lewis can say, you're trying to be perfect. And, and, and so to bring everybody up to speed who didn't listen to the podcast, it was like, I was trying to find the right words. I was trying to get it out in the right way. And right. I was correcting, like, just like I did a few seconds ago. I was like, right. I didn't enunciate. Like, right. so he, what he saw and what oftentimes people see is like, oh, this idea of being perfect or attempting to be perfect or Jasmine is coming across as a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Do I have those tendencies? A hundred percent. Yes. Do I disagree with that assessment? No, but the undercurrent isn't perfection. The undercurrent stems, thank you to lots of therapy <laughs> is, uh, you know, I'm a daughter of an immigrant and right. I didn't learn how to read until I was like 11 wow. and I was homeschooled and I weighed 175 pounds when I was 11 years old and wow. I had greasy hair. I hated taking showers. You know, it was yeah. just like, I was like probably the the easiest target for people to make fun of. Mm. I will not say I was bullied. Thank God. But yeah. there is like a fine line between being bullied and being made, made fun of like kids would leave what they call traps. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I would walk in and here, this happened at church. Okay. God forgive them. So I would walk in and, you know, you're being eight, nine, 10 and they would leave traps. They would leave like candy in like a line across like a desk or they'd leave like a can of like seven up. Yeah. And like I would walk in, I would see, and they would all be sitting in chairs, like chairs just waiting for me, unknown, unbeknownst to me. And I would sit in this chair and I was like, whose seven up is this? And they're like, oh, she's always eating. She's always <laughs> wanting it. And I was like, oh, like I was set up for this thing. Right, right. So- 
I think that when you grow up with everybody expecting you to be the lowest or being put in like the special reading group or being behind the curve is that like probably when I was 25 was like the first time in my life that I actually was good at something good Mm. being as a photographer, as a photographer, like being known for something that all of a sudden I spent the most of my time trying to hedge my bets Mm -hmm. to be like, Oh, well finally it's easy to go through life being unnoticed and unremarkable. The mm. hard part is being noticed for something and having an opinion and working towards it because mm. then everybody wants to call you out on that. Mm. And so Lewis was, I think, the second or third person I interviewed. So I didn't mm. even know how podcasting worked. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, let me have my podcaster voice. And <laughs> here I am, you know, now I know you can edit a podcast. Right. You know, like, <laughs> say whatever you want right now. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, you better make me sound good, son. <laughs> no, I mean, I just feel like at the time I was trying to be what I thought Mm. was a podcaster. Mm. And, you know, I've been officially a podcaster now for three and a half months. And I look back at, to that version of Jasmine and I'm like, Oh girl, it's okay. You were trying, you were trying real hard. You could just be you. Uh, So like lesson learned. And I'm actually really happy that people were privy to that. So when they listen to the podcast or whatever derivative of the podcast, and they watch a video or a photo or a podcast or anything else I create, Uh they could say that like, that is me and she's continuing to get better and I can do the same. Yeah. So it's good living, living out like that. Yeah. Well, it's way more relatable. Yeah. So I'm sure people saw that and they were oh, like, totally. Oh my God. Totally. Thank you. Totally. Yeah. Um, there's no, another moment I, I keep picking on you, but there's an, another moment. Is this and, picking on me? Oh, come on, son. You're, I'm, on, yeah. Okay. I'm from the hood. This ain't nothing. You're like, <laughs> we like BFFs right now. <laughs> there's a moment in, uh, in Lewis's mastermind. I don't know if you want me to show this, but I'm I don't care. To. I'm open. We can cut it out. No, I don't care. It's no, a no, podcast. No, you better bring it. Nah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember, I, you're gonna have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember you stood up. It was at the end of the mastermind and we're, you know, given all the thank you speeches and whatnot. And you said that you got into his group. First of all, the room is super intimidating with right. all those people. Oh, totally. Like, oh my God. Everyone is like super high achiever. Right. And so you have to get accepted. You have to make a certain amount of money, all these, you know, dif- this different criteria. So you stood up at the end and you said that you got accepted the first time and yeah. you didn't yeah. enroll because yeah. you felt like you didn't belong into the yeah. in, in the room. Yeah. How long did it take you to get over that? A year. A year. <laughs> I applied the next year. <laughs> <laughs> How, I mean, just getting over that process of of feeling comfortable, feeling like you belong in a room. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's not really a good question, I guess. I think but. it's a great question. I actually think we'll just tap here for a second because okay. like, how do you frame a question after something that ex- was an experience or a fact, right? Like mm-hmm. what, what question do you follow up with other than the fact that I need to be open about that, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm happy that we're talking about this specifically because I think people see a version of me online and people want to have a 100% idea of me for 1% of my life. Mm. And what you just brought up is stuff that I, you know, I have never said out loud other than to the 20 people in the room that I was the person who stopped myself from being in the room. Mm. And like, I look back at my life and I think that that's a reoccurring pattern. And for all the reasons that I just mentioned, all the reasons is like, I was poor. I was behind. I was a daughter of an immigrant. Like we parents didn't have a car. We had government assistance. People would drop Christmas gifts on our front porch. Like all of those things, I think on a subconscious level as your child and you're being conditioned would be like, I don't belong. I was mm. always on the receiving end of something as if somebody else's benevolence was the reason I existed. And so finally to get to come into adulthood and say like, I can take up space or if I say it, I'm good at something. Mm-hmm. You always in the back, at least something I'm working through is like the worthiness to be in the room. The worthiness to, do you want to, I wanted to start a podcast, not for one year, two years, three years. I wanted to start a podcast for like three, four years. I didn't and know that. I was the person who was like, well, unless I know clearly what the objective of the podcast is, like, I'm just not going to show. And like, yeah. that's like a, that's a BS story. That's right. a BS story. I was saying that I, my ideas, my voice, my approach wasn't good enough to actually quantify me pursuing a podcast. That is that's jacked up. The person mm. who was stopping me was me. Right. And 
I want to have this conversation. I want to be open about it because how many creatives are out there stopping themselves because they're not the best. They don't have the answer. Somebody else has done it. Somebody's done it better. That's imposter syndrome at its finest. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I need to talk about the things that I need to learn. And mm. so like, this is like a straight up reckoning between you citing that podcast with Lewis and between you seeing me behind closed doors of me mm-hmm. stopping myself. Yeah. It's like, that's what I want to come out and be against. It's like, if I can save you time, like stop selling yourself short. Yeah. Like I've just done it too long. And the only person who slowed my progress has been me. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. So if you were, if you were young Jasmine photographer and wanted to work with celebrities and high achievers, entrepreneurs, what what would you tell your younger self if you felt like you didn't belong in the room? Offer value that they know they need and don't know how to ask for. Mm. I, that's what I did, Mm. but I, it was a big question mark. Like I wasn't sure. Like I felt stupid. I felt unsure. What I would tell myself is like, Hey girl, you're on the right track. Like do that thing and do it confidently. So as a photographer, I wanted to get access to other photographers. I wanted to see how they did their business. I wanted to go on shoots. And I was like, I'll carry sandbags. I'll carry lights. I'll do whatever. Mm. Like that's how I was raised. That's still to this day. If ever, if anybody came into town still to this day, like I'm homies with like Chase Jarvis, like homie. Mm. But if he came into town and I wanted to see the shoot, watch me be like, can I please carry sandbags? Like that's just, I mean, honest to God, I am not above that. Like I'll do anything for just that front row seat. So that's just how I'm hardwired. So I would see these photographers and it's like, everybody wants to carry sandbags. Everybody wants to be like, Oh, can I just shadow you? It's like, now I'm like, why, why would they ever give me opportunity? But here's one thing I knew I was good at. I knew I was good at like writing which makes no sense as you want to pursue photography. But I'm like, I have a skill set that I know these homeboys need. Mm. And so I was like, hey, like I noticed your bio on your website. It needs a little refreshing. Do you think we could chat for an hour and I'll in turn give you back whatever, a 2000 word article and you can turn that into a bio and you can turn it into, I'll show you how to turn it into a magazine Mm -hmm. um, bid, like a, like a, whatever they give, like like they kind of put these different formats, like they'd pitch an editor like about their story or whatever. And yeah, I was like, yeah. I could put it in that format. I can put it as a bio and I could turn it into a blog post. And so there I had the opportunity to meet with photographers and they were just telling me their whole life history, how they got in, what they learned. And I was asking questions to be like, you're my mentor and you don't even know. <laughs> and so then at the end of that, a week later, I would turn over their like magazine submission. I'll turn over a bio and I would turn over a blog post all from that conversation. And they were like, dang jasmine thank you so much like when can we do this again and i was like well if you ever need help yeah carrying sandbags i'm your girl like that's what i did again and again and again and like i kind of sort of knew that i could do video i was terrible at it but i'm like oh i can kind of sort of do video yeah and like to a photographer who needed video just behind the scenes documentation i was like can i go to your shoot so i would go back and tell jasmine i would tell anybody who's just getting started that somebody you want to work with offer value that you know they need, but they don't know how to ask for yeah. You're in all day. That's the thing. A lot of people just pro- provide their services without right. really figuring out, doing yes. that back end research yes. of figuring out, okay, they already have a ton of photography, but right. they're missing this. Yes. Like I'm going to provide it and Absolutely. hand it on a silver platter. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so strong. Um, I want to take it back for a second. Uh, I know you've talked about your story for like a million interviews and we, we don't have to go too deep into it. Um, but what I do want to talk about is how you went from top 10, top number one wedding photographer. What was mm-hmm. it? Top 10 or top They one? just put, they just, they didn't, they didn't know where you were. Were you number that. one? Basically, Jasmine. since they didn't say it, yes. Yes, yeah. I was number one. Yeah. You're number one. So, <laughs> so how did you go from top wedding photographer to just complete pivot mm-hmm. brand strategist or mm-hmm. business strategist to mm-hmm. finally starting social curator. Why did, why did you make that pivot? I mean, and I think it's, I, I'm going to say this because I know it's going to sound like a humble brag. Okay. So Bring I, I know that and it's like annoying and I want to punch myself in the face, but Just do it. there was one thing of being, okay. So I started, I opened a, my very first digital camera in January 1st, 2006. Mm. So to be, you know, voted the top 10 wedding photographer in 2009 and then in 2010 voted top five most influential photographer and then 2012 voted top five most socially influential photographer like all of this stuff was coming because I was creating an experience within a community Mm. and it was a tiny tiny niche and I kind of just want to 
It was, well, at first it started with weddings yeah. and then it expanded into photography overall. Oh. So it's like most influential photographers, my name was up there with like really big names. Oh, I didn't know that. And so when, and this is, and of course a big debacle started. Why is she on there? Yeah, yeah. Like there's other people. Yeah, and right. I'm like, <laughs> yo, it was a, I, it was a vote. Like it wasn't homecoming. Like I'm out there pitching, like people voted. Yeah. Sorry you disagree with my influence, but it is what it is. I take it up with like photo district news magazine. Um, but you know, um, and then Huffington Post named all photographers. Like there's big name photographers on there. And then people had an issue. Why aren't there more women? And I was like, I would just like to say in the top 10, I am the only woman, the only brown person. So there you go. So what happens, this is the thing that I want to talk about, not because it's like, that sounds cool, but because how important it is as a creative to own a small space and really love that space. Because when you dominate a really tiny, tiny sector, you can then expand laterally. So this goes back into the pivot. So Mm. I didn't go from I'm shooting wedding to all of a sudden brand strategy and business strategies. Like it was, let me slowly expand through these concentric circles. So the nucleus mm. was wedding photography. Gotcha. That was my golden egg. And then after that, I started teaching photographers how to run a better business, created really affluence and influence in the photographic community, much to the chagrin of a lot of people. I was not popular. <laughs> Like in a lot of sectors in a lot of ways. Um, But when you continue to show up in the face of opposition, in the face of people who really can't stand you and you continue to do it. Yeah. And you end up on the winning side. Everybody shuts up. Yeah. It's like how many of us are willing to do that? How many of us are willing to get our arse is handed to us again and again and again. And then it's amplified on social. Right. Oh man, those keyboard warriors just want to rip you a new one. Yeah. And so the pivot happened because started off with photographers, teaching them how to build a biz- better business and then slowly went into creatives, videographers, graphic designers, jewelry makers. And then over time building like legitimacy and credibility overall, like, Business is business, Mm -hmm. but I could never walk out and say, I'm a business strategist without really showing again and again, how the the, the market got bigger and bigger and bigger for me. And now I can step on a stage and I don't care what you sell. We're going to talk about business. I'll help you build a better business. Like, and that that sounds like really swag, but like I've been in the game. Like I get it. Like come at me, bro. Come at me with your funeral home. Come (laughs) at me with your dog cutting studio. Come at me with your dentist. Come at me with your photographer. I got you. It's like, how hard do you want to work? If you, know, if you know how to sell, you know how to sell. And that's- uh, but you know, and actually I would take, I would, pay, I would tap there. I keep on saying tap. Why? Um, I, don't know. I think it sounds I've good. Never heard of it's that. like tap, like we'll just tap, tap like tap, tap, tap here. Pause. Yeah. Like dang. No, I actually don't think it's sales. I don't think I'm very good at sales. I'm really freaking good at creating connection and mm. people buy by and large out of emotion. Yeah. Can I create an emotional connection? Watch me all day, twice on Sunday. Can I sell? Probably not. Can I make you feel something that makes you, gives you the desire to think that would be the solution for your pain or Isn't pleasure? Isn't selling though? It's just well, a different form of it. Absolutely. But in the digital age and the, where the currency is right now, like yeah. if you don't move people emotionally, you're going to have a really hard time selling them. Oh, 100%. So I'm just like, why are you out here trying to be like, I'm taking this selling workshop on like trip wires and what the five key <laughs> yeah, things yeah, to yeah. say. It's like, good luck, boo-boo. Sit there for five years and you're going to realize that right. if you just have a real conversation and you offer something of value, you're in like Flint. Yeah. Personal branding, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that is that your big driver for social curator? Actually, before we get into that, what what made you start social curator from the get go? What, what was the light bulb? Yeah. What, what what was the moment? What was you know a few hours before the light bulb hit, or was it like yeah. a continuous? I was definitely drag. continuous. And, you know, it's like you know they say like, what's it like to be an overnight success? Oh, yeah, it only exactly. took me ten years to get here. Um, yeah, it's like it was never like I wish it was like that lightning idea. That would be freaking awesome. It mm-hmm. was. It was probably. It was. I can honestly say it was probably a year and a half of fielding the same questions again and again and again without yeah. knowing how to solve them. So what happens was I start teaching people how to use. Instagram for their business. Mm-hmm. I start teaching people how to build a brand and market on social media. And people now have been like, Oh, Jasmine's on Instagram. I was like, uh, out here on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on YouTube and on Twitter, like still banging all the drums. And that's what I'm about. Like everybody, I don't care if you're like a postman, a teacher, a soccer coach, everybody's building a personal brand. Mm -hmm. A brand is an experience. It's what you make somebody feel. Now there are people who do it in business. And if you make people feel a certain way, you can successfully sell to them. Fine. But like the reason we started Social Curator was because 
every time I came to somebody and I was like, this is what you got to do for your business. I got you. This is it. Like, this is the keys to the kingdom. And they would come back and they would be like, yeah, but you see, Jasmine, I'm not a photographer. I don't have those photos. You got that. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, no, 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 guys. This is how you make somebody feel something in a caption. Well, you see, Jasmine, I just don't know what to say. Like, I'm burnt out. I work all day. I don't have time to think of something witty for Instagram. Right. And the third thing that I would hear again and again and again, well, like, this is what you got to do. Well, you see, Jasmine, I'm just not sure if that's current. I don't want to do what everybody's doing yesterday. So for like a year and a half, I'm like, I keep on hearing these questions and I can keep on coming back to people. But I'm like, there has to be a way to scale these pressure points. So my husband and I were walking the dog and I guess this would be the lightning point after we had gone around and around and around and around. We actually thought we were going to come out with a kit, like a box of like social media props. Like a physical box? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Let's talk about bad ideas here. Logistics. We were like, yeah, oh, totally <laughs> sitting on inventory. Yeah, like yeah. we live in like California, Southern California be the most expensive place. Right. I'm like, I'm just going to have like an 18,000 square foot warehouse to yeah. store props for right. social media. Yeah. We went down there. Yeah. That was a bad idea. <laughs> ideas you're so happy you didn't do. And so uh, we thought about this idea. Yeah, like these are the pressure points. You don't have photos. You don't know what to say. And you're tired of just like spinning your wheels. And we're like, well, what if we created stock photography for specific industries in people? Mm. And then like, what if we created captions that people can fill in the blank or captions that people are like, oh, this is a framework. I see what she's trying to do here. Let me make it my own. And then every month you just have a clean marketing plan. Like, yo, like this month, at the time of recording, we're going through how to repurpose your content. Cause this is the thing I hear from a lot of times people are like, I don't have time to create content. So I was like, this is my strategy. This is what I do. This is how you tap into different people at different times. Yeah. It's just like, you're doing one thing, but you're scaling that. Mm. So social curator became the answer to people's pressure points. We heard again and again. And lucky for us, it seems like we hit like a really yeah. good stride with it. They wrote it for you pretty much. Yeah. I mean, any kind of course, I always get a question, like, especially from course creators, people putting out products, they, they always think that they have to, just build it this whole massive thing right. first and they don't even know if it's something that people actually oh, Lord. want and it's like stop stop yeah. right when now. you look at when you look at the blueprint like it's for the creator's blueprint yeah when you look at that and you look at the first iteration are you like dang it's like i can't believe i put that out there <laughs> right i can't believe somebody paid me for that um you know i mean and totally. i'm proud of it like the first version of social curator like hot mess yeah for sure and like thousands of people were like, thank you so much. And I was like, oh, okay. We only going up. So that's good. So anybody yeah. who's listening, just start it. It will be bad and it'll yeah. be ugly. It'll be wonky, but the people who stick with you, they're going to be ride or die for a while. Yeah. I think the only, the only reason why I've even come as far as I have is, is just from being in the right environment and the right bubble and having the right people yeah. around me. Um, how important is that to you? Having the right people, your team, JD, mm. how important is that to you? It's the life and soul. It's just everything. It's just everything. Like, you know, I won't be the first person to say like the people, the five people you spend the most time with mm -hmm. dictate your outlook and capabilities. Yeah. And those people teach you how to ask better questions. Those people call you out. Those mm -hmm. people push you. Those people um, tether you. Those people cut things back and say, you're doing too much or this isn't the right path or they challenge you. Just somebody to come up and be like, are you sure this is the right thing? Yeah. And one of two things happen. You defend yourself so successfully that you're just like, watch me. And other times you're like, you know what? They just brought up some real good points. Like, this is not a good idea. Right. So how important are those people? They're everything. And for people who are listening and you feel like, I don't have that person you don't have because you do not seek mm. like it exists. Mm -hmm. Like I will say that the five people I spend the most time with now are not the same five people that I spent the most time with five years ago. Right, right. That's a very bittersweet thing to say. Yeah. But who you surround yourself with, it really raises the bar. It changes things energetically, mm. idea wise, execution wise, vision wise. So if you're looking for those people, they exist. You just have to work really hard to find them. And people are like, but how? Start off on Facebook groups. Mm. Start off on Instagram hashtags. Like if there's somebody you really want to be down with and they're like happen to be in your same neck of the woods, you should be voting on every poll that they put out on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. You should be liking. Yeah. And liking a photo ain't the same as leaving a comment. If you're really down for them and you want to get their attention, leave a comment more than four words every single time they post. Yeah. Watch. Don't, Just watch. Don't emoji it. Just watch. Don't emoji <laughs> it. Yeah. I mean, another getting and getting outside of the bubble sometimes because we're so in it all the time. Like this is our world. This is, yeah. this is, this is just like normal, yeah. right? Yeah. 
do you ever get outside the bubble and you're like, holy shit, my life is amazing? You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, you're talking about a girl whose family's from East LA. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Like you look at now, you're you in LA now. Like I moved out. I'm like in the OC. But in LA, Los Angeles is divided into quadrants. Mm. You have West LA. That's where you be. That's where everybody drives the European cars and be looking European. Right. You have East LA. That's Mexicans. Mm-hmm. You have um, South LA, predominantly African-American. And like those areas are so clearly marked by race and socioeconomic status. Like when we say get out of the bubble, it's like, yeah, let me go to my dad's church. Mm. Like that's just real talk. Like that's just like working, working class. Like these are people who are getting by. Like nothing is more grounding than being around people who are so freaking happy with so little. Yeah. Like that's a reality check. We out here, everybody's filled with like plastic and it's like, Oh my God, my Ferrari's not valeted in front of the hospital. What is going (laughs) on? You know, it's just like, wow, let's get calibrated folks. Mm. Like getting out of the bubble is something that I do often and frequently because I've never identified myself as being in the bubble ever. Mm. And now that I can say like, Oh, well, have whatever a car a certain zip code a certain house yeah it's never felt like i have been belonging in this area and i'm fine with that right i think it helps me like stick out yeah well yeah i mean it's it's important to look back at how far you've come instead of how far you have to go and oh yeah um i'm not even talking about just poor areas i'm just talking about people with different mindsets you know what i mean yes they could be extremely wealthy yes but they're just Yes. So negative. Yes. You know what I mean? So that's, oh, that's kind of what I meant with the bubble. And, oh, totally. Yeah. Like, and so when you're around people who are always like up leveling and thinking about like things yeah. and like thinking that like you come from abundance instead of lack, mm. it, I have been spoiled because sometimes I get around a group of people and it's like everything's happening to them. Right. Like they didn't have this or they don't have that. Mm-hmm. Or if they just got noticed and I'm like, wait a minute. Like you can walk this earth and think that things happen to you or you can walk this earth and think things happen for you. Right. Like if somebody else has done the thing you want to do with less, you have zero excuse not to do the same thing. How bad do you want it? Right. See, I think that mindset's so obvious now, but that's because I'm in the bubble. Exactly. All the time. Every exactly. day I'm with positive people. I'm with right. you. I'm with yeah. Catherine Brent. Like yeah. all these people that just think that way. And yep. then as soon as you get out, you're like, ooh. Right. It's kind of shocking. Yeah. And then sometimes people think that you, you're just like crazy. Yeah. You know, like, you <laughs> for know? Sure, for like sure. sometimes I feel like me, like when I talked to JD, I was like, so we recorded this podcast. It was a very personal podcast and it was like documenting us adopting our daughter and we yeah. had this private conversation. And then when I was coming out, I was like, dang, people are going to listen to this. And like, they're going to think like we're really crazy. And JD's yeah. like, I know they're going to think we're crazy, but we've always been this crazy. I'm like, you're right. You're right. Like, Crazy's cheers good. to the crazy. Yeah, cheers. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of of JD, Luna, getting back to how your schedule is now, how has it changed? Are you just like... Oh, sweet God. Everything is just a clean slate now? No, a clean slate. It's like... <laughs> or just... <laughs> no, no, no. Not... not <laughs> like, it's a mess. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. I meant just... Have you completely just deleted events and things off your calendar? Or just what does what your schedule look like now? Yeah. So just to bring everybody up to speed, crazy. we had been uh, in within the adoption process for years. And um, then we got like 24-hour notice. And so we had no... That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the baby was born and they're like, Hey, there's a baby in Las Vegas. Do you want the baby? baby?" And we're just like, Oh, this isn't a movie. Like it's so we packed our bags literally in like 37 minutes. We just got like ran. We just threw everything in bags. And they said, it'll just be out there for like five days. And so you pack for five days and you think, Oh, it's going to be amazing. Lots of things that happened, things that were unexpected things threw us for a loop. We ended up um, having to stay in Vegas for like two and a half weeks. Mm. So we were living in a hotel for two and a half weeks and we would not have stayed in a hotel had we knew, well, you say that until you're quarantined, (laughs) like it's Vegas. Like everyone's like, you got to stay in Vegas. I was like, yo, Vegas is cool for three days. Anything beyond that. You're like, Oh, another buffet. Awesome. Like, you know, no. So, um, because of that, because we had no advance warning and because I do take in-person meetings and things of that nature, 
to cancel a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff. But thankfully I have a virtual team. So we were able to keep up on that front, Mm. but like getting back home, that's when you're just like, Oh God, it just got real. Yeah. So, you know, it's us trying to figure out like, how do we balance parenthood and who is responsible for Luna when, and that's just been like a whole tag team effort. And like poor sweet JD, he said, I'll take the (laughs) night shifts. Because you need to be like, you need need to have your energy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great. And then that son of a gun, I'm telling you, he just brings in like such good stuff. Our baby sleeps like six hours stretches. Like she falls asleep like at 10 and then she's good until like, I can't even do math. 11, 12, one, two, four. (laughs) It's like four. I like four. Hey, I was home school. Okay. She'll be like four and he changes her diaper and he feeds her. And then they sleep until like seven 30. I was like, okay, one, I'm so happy for benevolence, but two, you got real lucky son. You got real lucky. She's a freaking gem, man. She's awesome. She's awesome. Oh my God. She's awesome. Wow. But as far as like balancing, that was the question. Oh yeah. That's I'm right. not, we're not here to talk about how rad she is, even though she is. Um, <laughs> it, it really is about every morning we have to sit down and say like, what are the non-negotiables? And for him, he was like, I need a haircut. And I was like, mm. oh, I'm teaching a mastermind class this afternoon. And I was just like, okay, got to get the bottle, got to get the diaper, got to get everything. And then just got to be real. Like this is new for us. Like I was not planning on teaching a mastermind with a baby sleeping here, but here I am doing it. And I don't think it will be that way. Obviously we'll find a way to like balance it better, but right now we're in the thick of it and you just got to make it work. Well, people love it though. I'm sure if you pop on with, with Luna, they're going to eat that shit. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know know. it. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, I did see, and, and I, I was pissed off for you and you were extremely pissed off, but I, I started well, I saw your Instagram story about the criticism, yeah. the unsolicited oh, advice yeah. of parenting. Oh, yeah. I was like, come on. Like, out of all, like, everything. Like, that's got to be the worst. The worst. Out of everything. The worst. The worst. How do you handle I mean, I love what you said. I mean, you were like, mm-mm, crossing <laughs> the line. Like, I, I love like, you guys, but that is a no. I mean, and I think that's why, I, I think that's why I've been a little, like, not a little. We've been very judicious with what we're sharing about our family and with Luna. Yeah, And smart. because it's like, the more you talk about it, the more you give permission to have an opinion about it. And I ain't trying to hear anybody's opinion. Yeah. And so, you know, um, there was this one like Facebook live that we had done and listen, I'm a new mom and I had 24 hours notice to figure out that I was going to be a mom. So if I had been placed, I could read those books. Like what to expect when you're expecting what's their growth phases, what you should be doing. I didn't do any of that. So all of a sudden I get this little piece of like human jello. Who's like, life is dependent on me and I'm trying to make it work given 24 hours notice. So I'm still continuing to do my business. Like this is what I do. This is my higher calling. This is my purpose. Mm. So my priorities are God, my family, and my business. Mm. If you see me doing something outward facing in my business, you have to know that my priorities are correct. Yeah. So if I decide to do a Facebook Live and my baby is sleeping next to me and in the middle of my Facebook Live, my daughter wakes up and is like, me, and I give her a pacifier and somebody's like, you should not be doing this Facebook Live. You should be with your daughter. These moments are fleeting. You show me. And I'm like, excuse me. My baby was sleeping. <laughs> like... I could touch her and see her. There's no reason that anybody should be having an opinion and I'm going to do me. And there's not going to be a greater thing than for my daughter to see her mom pursue her dreams. And may my ceiling be her floor. I will sit there in boardrooms with my baby. Y'all better come correct because this is my (laughs) life now. And there has to be, you know, and then I, I think that it's tethered because a lot of women are like, Oh my gosh, Jasmine, thank you so much for showing us what's possible. And I'm like, Whoa, I am not trying to be the Joan of Arc of mompreneurs out there. Right. But I'm like, I'm just doing me. So like, let me do me and let me figure it out without your judgment. But here's the thing. I know the judgment's going to come. And when my business keeps on growing and when my daughter loves me and when my daughter is healthy and when she's on flights with me and when she's doing the dang thing with me, y'all can still have opinions, but I'm not gonna let your opinion stop me or my daughter from doing what we're supposed to do. Mm. Were you expecting that at all? Zero. Uh, yeah. You're just like, no one is ever like emotionally. And there's times where I like, I want to take like a, like a picture of her or put out in a story. And then I'm like, oh God, I'm gonna have to deal with the mom brigade. Her yeah. head is not right. Uh, you buckled her in wrong. What are the safety hazards of having multiple pacifiers in there? And I'm just like, <laughs> listen, 
I didn't, my parents drove us around without seat, like without seat, like we weren't even in child carriers. Like my dad's car would be consistently break down. He had this Volkswagen bug and the back seat didn't even have like the pleather lining that bugs have. Like you could see the springs and the <laughs> coils and the crap. We could look down and see the road underneath us. My dad would drive down our ghetto street and he would honk his broken horn and all the neighborhood kids would pile on the top of his hood and he would drive us down like we were in the freaking Rose Parade and we're like uh-huh. waving and stuff. And I look back and I'm like, yo, my parents were really jacked up and I came out pretty good. My daughter's freaking fine. I slept in a drawer. My parents brought out oh a drawer. God. Do you, you know what Nah, oh, that's a true story. That was facts. My mom just told us that a couple days ago. Oh and my yeah, god! Yeah, so I'm just like, listen, I'm fine, people. I'm fine. Love mm. covers a multitude of parent parental transgressions. I am here for it. Yeah, I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> so how do you so how do you deal with haters? Do you have a mental process, or is is that something just more repetition for you? You know, actually, for me, I'm used to it. Yeah, I embrace, I, I embrace it, except for well, I'm not a parent, but I could imagine. Oh right, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Right, that, that's, you want to shank somebody? That's another line. Like, yeah, yeah, shoot. Give me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, um. So, at the risk of sounding super cliche, the, the the haters have made me really good. The haters have made me better than the people who just like me mm. for me, because the haters will only ever say one of two things. One, something that's like patently a lie and false and so stupid that you're just like, eh, dust, dust off your shoulders. Yeah, that's not. But they'll say something sometimes that has a kernel of truth that hurts like a mofo. Yeah. But when somebody calls you out in love or in hate, the truth still remains. And so if I see that and I'm like, dang, they're right. I got to come correct and I got to beat the crap before it slung at me. And I can say, you know what? I did come across this way. I did say this, this, I didn't consider it like, yo, hater, what you meant for evil, God has turned for good and watch me continue to bloom like legit. So, you know, shout out to the haters. May mm-hmm. you continue linking at me and tagging me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know. I, I think, I think haters are a good thing. My, my buddy, Nick bear, he runs a, a supplement company and he always talked about when he was getting a lot of crit- criticism, his business was growing. Oh yeah. And it was like this weird oh, yeah. thing. I just I had like, that conversation with wow. a friend today. I was just like, it, it, it always sucks whenever, whenever there's like a PR nightmare or like a storm or it's just like you open your mouth and crap's going to fly in. Like uh-huh. you're in like the, the, the tornado of it all. Yeah. In all of those situations in my business, cause it's happened multiple times, the business had never done better mm. because there was so much attention. What started off as negative attention. So what I discovered after going through it is that there's going to be a group of people who absolutely hate you and they're just going to light you on fire and they're going to be talking about you so much with vitriol and venom that people on the outside are like, who is this person? Then they go to your business, your profile, and then they get to make a decision and they might totally disagree with the hater and they end up buying the thing you're selling. Yeah. Never God. has my business done better than when all the haters were full in effect. I love that. But yeah, it sucks. It stings. It hurts. Like you can't sleep at night. It makes you want to throw up. Like I'm I'm losing. I was literally times work. Um, I couldn't keep my food down. I was losing hair. I'm going to a therapist. And so I was like, what's the point of having lots of money when you feel like that crappy? Right. But what I didn't know then is that like you will get through. Mm-hmm. I literally would think like this is the end of my business. Like I'm done. Yeah. Like, and I thought that like on one big, big, big instance, 2014, 2015. And I was like, this is it. And like studies Mm. have shown like a very primal sense is when somebody threatens your home or your family or your sustenance, like you go crazy. Yeah. Like you legitimately like, I'm going to, I'm going to shank somebody. (laughs) And at at that time I felt like every, they were threatening all of that. And I just couldn't think straight. Like I literally was just like, I'm freaking jacked up. I'm sad. I'm depressed. Who cares that we have a lot of money? It's done. And you know, every time something really serious and really bad has happened within the business in that capacity, I've been able to like show up again. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, if anything is what was created allegiance for a lot of people, they're like, dang, we didn't think you'll bounce back from that. But here you hear. That's powerful. And I think that that, I hope that that shows other people like what's possible. Yeah. Well, it's just deflecting. I, I, I love what Brene Brown says about uh, the arena. Yes. Do you remember that speech? Of course. Theodore Roosevelt. Come oh on, my Alison. God. <laughs> so, if, you're so sitting, if you're sitting in the stands, I ain't trying to hear you. That's right. If you're on the floor getting your ass kicked, 
then we could talk. Yeah. Until then. Mm-mm. Except for parenting. That's just, you crossed the line there. <laughs> Except for parenting. You know what? Can I, uh, can I just say something real quick? Because sure. this is the thing that like I'm definitely working through is if you don't want people to have an opinion about your parenting or your kid, don't put them out on social. Yeah. Because when you do like it's an social, it's an invitation. It's, it. it's yeah. an invitation. So you can get, you can flex, but they're going to come at you sideways. So the least that you do it, the less that you're giving them as fodder. Right. And this is where I'm at right now. And I'm like, you know, I do think I will incorporate my daughter into what if, like certain aspects, mm-hmm. but no, it won't turn into like a very personal look at right. like who I am as a parent. And then people are gonna have an opinion about that anyway. Oh, she doesn't post pictures of her daughter cause she's you not with win. her. Bye. Oh, yeah. Like just bye. Yeah. Like as win. I respond to your DM and she's strapped <laughs> to my chest with her pacifier. Yeah. yeah bye. You, can't, <laughs> you just can't win. Nope. Um, I want to talk about some of your mentors really quick. Are we good on time? Yeah. You got like nine minutes. You have an hour. Wow, how did this, this is like a blast, man. I'm like, Oh, we're 30 minutes in. <laughs> we're going to fire through these. Um, I know you're, I know you're a big fan of Gary Vee. Oh my I, God. Stop right now. What? Stop right now. What I'm not even a fan of him. I like what? love him. Oh, I like, no, it's sweet. like creepy. And my husband is all for I know it you too. Are. I think well, he's, I think he's freaking a son. I think yeah. he's like, well, he's made one of the biggest impacts in people's lives. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's insane. Um, so I know he's a very big deal in your life. And I also know that you have James Wedmore yes. as a, as a mentor. Yes. And those two people are so different. Are polar opposites. <laughs> oh, I know. So I know. In my eyes, I'm like, huh? How do you incorporate the two into what you do when you have two opposite mentors? Oh, I think that's great. But I think it was it was Thomas Jefferson or Abraham Lincoln. He wanted to fill his presidential candidate with people who were so opposite so mm. that he could see the extremes of the opinion and come up with something that he felt was representative of the nation. And I feel like it is in our best interest to surround ourselves with people who do not think like us and who do not process like us and who pushes to such limits that you're like patently, I disagree with you. And all of a sudden you walk away and you're like, well, maybe they have a point. And that is truly who Gary Vaynerchuk on one end of the spectrum and James Wedmore on the opposite end of the spectrum. But both of them have wildly successful businesses. They're both happy and content in what it is that they do. And I think they're emblemic walking icons of living their own life in their own way. Mm -hmm. Now it's my objective to figure out where I fall in that spectrum. But James is like so powerful in saying that success isn't the outcome. Success is the decisions that we made to get what we got. Mm. Can you look back at that and be so far removed from what your goal was to say, dang, I showed up bigger and better than ever before. I can't control the outcome. I can control how I showed up. And then you have Gary on the opposite end and it's just like grind until you get it. And I like clearly align like as, as the daughter of an immigrant, as a girl from the hood, like, yeah, Yeah. I totally see that. So both of them are so heavily needed and like that mind, body, soul connection that James is so in tuned with and the stories we tell ourselves. Like I believe that with lots of great, like with lots of great therapy, a lot of self-work, but actually actually having him as an in-person business mentor to call me out on like, the lies, the stories. Like there was a conversation that he had. He's like, Jasmine, I'm not going to sit with you. If you want to fight for your limitations, go right ahead. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, you don't know me. Yeah, You You know what? (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, I'm fighting for my limitations. Yeah. So you need people like that. And you know, like, I invested heavily to work closely with James and I've invested heavily to work as close as possible with Gary, whatever is allowed to it. But all of us have the accessibility to people that we look up to for nothing. Mm. Even though I'm not working with Gary or not working with James at the moment, like I listen to their podcast. I read their blog posts. I follow them on social. Like mentors are free depending how hard you want to work. Yeah. I love that. I was, I was just curious personally. That's a like, good question. You, Look at you. you. Shut, son, you showed up. You showed up <laughs> doing some homework. I, I love try, it. I, I love try. it. I love it. All right. We got, we got a few more questions. We got like five Yeah, minutes. but I took your time like walking around the studio, like showing you stuff. Okay. So I just give to me pick, an extra five? Absolutely. I just have, yeah, I just have to pick up something locally, but okay, it's all okay, good. Okay. 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 Let's just do them. They're, they're kind of, they're quick. Is If there's something you're missing out on, what is it right now? What are you missing out on? Oh, if I, anything. I need an assistant. Really? I thought you have one. I have a team. Well, so we have, okay, so this goes back to, and this has been like a very weird growing 
period. It's like social. Yeah. Like social curator has its team. Mm. And like, I feel like when can Jasmine start, like I'm referring to myself as third person, but really that entity build out like a structure. Cause like right now I feel like I'm doing like a ton of that stuff. Yeah. And you have I a lot like, on your plate. Yeah. 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 So you need to get rid of that. Okay. Um, that's interesting. What, what takes away your energy? Oh, energy vampires. People who just like to talk a lot to hear their voice. About parenting? About, yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, it's like people who just have opinions about opinions. I just find myself really attracted to people who can talk and listen in the same, in the same frequency. Yeah. Like how much you talk and when you're thoughtful, you speak and that kind of stuff gives me life. Yeah. Well, you're very self-aware. Uh, you know, I actually do think that somebody's listening to this podcast and, be like, and they could definitely say, oh, that annoys Jasmine. It's probably annoying Jasmine because that's the thing she possesses. Like, I'm like, I really like to be in here. I am like talking up the storm. So, Hey, I called you out for all you doubters. Okay. I see it too. Okay. Okay. Um, what used to be a big deal to you that isn't anymore? Uh, I'll tell you a Louis Vuitton purse. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like to me. Not like, anymore. No. You don't give a shit. I don't <laughs> like at all. At all. And there's like, I studied this in college. It's like the reason why like boys from the hood would wear like baseball caps with like the holographic sticker on it was yeah. like to show people like it's legit. Like I'm not carrying the hot stuff off the street. Yeah. And like for me to carry a bag with like status on the outside meant like I had arrived. Mm. And then the minute that I had actually arrived, I didn't care anymore. Like, I don't want to look rich. I want to be rich. Right. You know, and right. it's like, it That's just changes. It difference. is. Yeah. That is. Uh. And so, like, yeah, I mean, so people now are going to hate and be like, oh, Jasmine, you're walking with your Louis Vuitton. Yeah. For like the past decade, it's been the same bag. Thank you very much. I'm yeah. cool. I'm straight. Oh my God. I know. Weird. I know. It's weird. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine where I'm at right now. Like, Two, even two and a half years ago. Right. Yeah. And now I'm here. I'm like, I don't know. It's crazy. I was, I was having a talk with Brennan and we were in his R8 and he's thinking about upgrading into like a McLaren. And, and I'm like, dude, do you know what I would do to kill for what you have right now? <laughs> <laughs> but once you get there, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. You're on to the next. Yeah, it doesn't. So. It doesn't. Interesting. Last question for you. And then, and then we're going to boot you off here. Um, if you had... Well, you already have it now, but all the money in the world, success, the business, everything. What would a perfect day look like to you from wake up to going to bed? Mm. And are you living that right now? Perfect day. I feel like I think since becoming a mom, I get like super emo. Like nothing would make me cry. Like my friends would say, like my team literally says Jasmine eats rocks for breakfast. And I do. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, my family, like they're like tap on her chest. It's hollow, mm-hmm. you know? like yeah. um, And then all of a sudden I have a kid and I get super emo. I felt like that question just kind of like hit, struck a nerve because I'm like, I'm literally living my dream life. And I don't know if I, if I understand the gravity of that. Because living your dream day is hard. Like living your dream day takes a lot of work. Like my dream day is getting up and walking the dog with my husband and my daughter. And that is clearing out my responsibilities for the team, not being beholden, is enjoying coffee. We ran out of coffee this morning and I Uber Eats coffee to my door. Like, do you know like that, that privilege? Like I walked out in slippers and I thanked a guy who delivered an Americano and I walked in my house and then I plan out my day and I write social media, which is what I love to do. And I made a video and I taught a masterclass and I did two podcasts. I got in a car I drove down PCH Pacific Coast Highway, Toledo. I'm looking over the water, having an inspiring conversation. Tonight, I will go and meet somebody to talk about something personal for my family, Mm -hmm. go and meet my husband and my daughter and enjoy dinner. Mm. I couldn't imagine that anything better. And yet... I'm running out of the house being like, do you have everything? Do I have those directions? I oh, me grab that. Did you get the gift card? Did you write the thing you had? Like that's in it too. So I think that when we craft our dream day, which is what I did three years ago, I read school of greatness mm. and it is an exercise that Lewis had you write out. Mm. 
And I didn't believe that three years later I could live the dream life. And the thing that I want to say now is an addendum to anybody's listening, anybody can do that exercise, which is truly powerful because in order for it to become reality, you have to imagine it. Mm -hmm. So I imagine my dream day and I get the dream day. The addendum is it's not perfect Mm. and it still takes work, but can you go to bed and rest your head and be like, dang, like I am doing the thing I want to do. And my answer is yeah. And Mm. that makes me so happy. That's amazing. Do you, last question, are you afraid to lose it? Yes. Every day. It affects you every day. Every day. As soon as your head hits the pillow to go night, night, you just. Like every day. And that's a byproduct of how I was raised. And that's just something. But like you can't lose anything you don't own. Mm. And when you think about that, like what do you own? Your mind. You. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So I always think. and, and, And and like. When my husband and I first got married, we literally had no money. We don't come from money. That's nothing that we ever knew. It was nothing that was ever known. Mm-hmm. Our date nights were sharing, you know, $1 combo meal from this Chinese restaurant <laughs> and like us like splitting a fortune cookie. This is us driving like, you know, a 22 year old Honda Accord to client meetings where I would park around the corner in West Los Angeles and then walk in, you know, so that like, oh, you can't really see what I'm going to be. This is like me getting a black marker to my shoes and like covering the scuffs like, and we were freaking happy. I wasn't starving. Mm -hmm. We were laughing. We were traveling. We were having road trips. And I think to myself, go back there. And you could be that happy, take it, take it all. Mm. I built it once, I'll build it again. And if I could be happy throughout the process, then I've won. And that's the thing I tell myself again, again, not to fear it. If it happens, I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to, but I'll be fine. (laughs) Once you get a little taste, it's hard to to let it go. I know. That's beautiful though. Um, Where can, where can people follow you? Uh, jasminestar.com and on all social media, Jasmine Star. Social curator. And social curator and, and yo, 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 the Jasmine Star Show. Hey, oh, that's right. There we go. fellow we go. podcasters in the room. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> well, thank you, Jasmine. I really thank appreciate you, this so you're much. Amazing. Oh, you inspire me so much. And and for you to take time out of your day thank after you. everything that's been going on. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you. I'm watching you all the time and you, taking notes. So thank you. Yeah, it's very appreciative. Thank you. Welcome back. Thank you to Zach Kravitz for allowing us to share this episode from Rambling Radio with you. I loved this conversation and I hope you did too. 